Welcome to the Oklahoma drill. <laughs> We're really mad that this game is happening. Yeah. And we don't want to talk about it. So we're just going to do a podcast during it. Yeah. In which we'll have it on in the background, hate watching it, but we're not going to talk about it at all. No. There will be no words spoken about the <laughs> national championship game. There might be a few words spoken, but that's not the subject of this podcast. No. We are going to do everything in our power to avoid talking about this game. Yep. Which means we have to come up with another subject, um, which we'll get to in a bit. But let's start with some news. Let's start with some bad news. Yeah. The best way to start. Uh, so yesterday, some really surprising news is what I would yeah. call it. Um, Devontae Lampkin just deciding to declare for the draft. And, I mean, I was shocked. Like, it just came out of nowhere, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how you felt about it. I was really confused. Mm-hmm. I had to do some mental math to see if he was eligible. Right. Like... Yeah, no, this, he is just, he is a redshirt sophomore, so he is just eligible to do it. Um, you know, I kind of doubt he gets drafted. Like, the guy's never... He's played 1.5 seasons of football. Yeah, he's, yeah, 15 games, and, you know, really, the only game that really stands out to me is, like, he was outstanding in was, like, this year's TCU game at home. Yeah. Like, where he, you know, he had that sack on Kenny Hill, he had several other plays that were really good. But he was never a full-time player for us. He played probably a third of the snaps. We kind of rotated three nose yeah. guards in there. And he you know, he played about a third of them. So, like, it's a big loss for Oklahoma because he was by far our most physically gifted and talented nose guard. Um, but in terms of production that we're going to have to replace, not a terrible amount. You know, I think no, his best yeah. football was certainly, or is certainly in front of him. Um this just seems like a guy who didn't like to play school. Yeah, know? no, for real. Um, you, I mean, looking back on his time, obviously, you know, with the um, six-game suspension. Yeah. And then... Um, he, he was suspended again yeah. one game this year. Um, and another thing, just when he got, you know, one of the reasons why he was at OU was because he, it was an academically based reason kind of why he didn't go to Texas. Yeah, yeah. There were academics involved. Like, he wanted to go to OU instead of Texas. They, they kind of screwed him over with a coach or something. But, um, yeah, yeah, academics have always just kind of been a hurdle for him. And yeah. If we hadn't accepted him, he also wouldn't have gone to Texas because he couldn't have. Right, exactly. So it was just, um, you know, very surprising. But at the same time, if you really evaluate the situation from a non-football standpoint, you kind of get it. Yeah. I guess, like, it's just, school's not for everybody. Yeah. And, you know. And, and so, this was a, he's like, I can get out, so I'm going to get out. Yeah. And I sure, I, I hope he does really well. You yeah. Know, I'm never going to root for a guy to fail in the no. NFL. Like, for I hope, even early. I hope he gets paid. I hope yeah. he gets paid to play football. Mm-hmm. I'm worried that won't happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried this could wind up another Charles Walker type situation where yeah. he leaves maybe a year early and, you know, doesn't get drafted and then can't stick with a team you know because the NFL is you know NBA is a little is a lot different you know Mm -hmm. they draft guys they're like looking to develop them and you know they're gonna put them in their system for a Mm -hmm. few years NFL is like if you can't produce for us like why are you on our team exactly well their rosters are microscopic right yeah they're like 53 players yeah a 53 man roster Mm -hmm. consider considering that your starting units are 22 players yeah 
Yeah, there's not a lot of wiggle room for you, – you just can't have guys that aren't yeah. ready to produce at an NFL yeah. level. You know, he might get put on a practice squad. And even that, like, don't view that as a failure by him because, you know, you still make good money doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the best situation, but it's, you know, it's better to him than being at OU right now. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, good luck to Devontae Lampkin. I wish he had um, played a little bit more football at Oklahoma, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> he was he was fun to – like, that sack against TCU this year. That was great. Was, one of the best sacks I've seen. I really yeah. hope scouts spend a lot of time looking at that film. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. No, if you watch that TCU game and base all of your evaluation on that, you're thinking, yeah, this dude's an NFL player. You know, and he has that ability. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they talked to you know, Lincoln Riley in press conferences this year that asked him about him and he'd be like, he's got a lot of upside. You know, it's just about him putting it together all the time. Yeah. And just hasn't come together yet for him, but hopefully it does at the next level for money. Yeah. Um, so, so let's talk about some good things. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, like, this is a situation where, like, in order to fill that spot, I'm kind of hoping that we get lucky with a grad transfer. Yeah. No, I think if we could come by a, a decent grad transfer, like, his production's not going to be terribly hard to replace yeah. because there just wasn't a lot of it. Um, you know. In terms of like what he currently was producing, now his future production might have been a lot bigger, mm-hmm. and we'll just never know what that would have been. Um, but in terms of getting out of a player what we got last year, that player might already be on the roster, and or you know getting just a decent grad transfer would probably do the job, or a JUCO guy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll probably have to look to fill that spot in some way. One thing I was thinking about, and you know this is wishful thinking, and I'm probably going to complain about this more later, but. Um, it might force our defense to play a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now we're definitely in a like a two gap type thing yeah. and eating space. <laughs> and he was one of the few guys that we had that was kind of well equipped to do yeah, that who from a size standpoint. That. You know, we have fewer guys like mm-hmm. that now, and and by that I mean we have none. So it might force us to play maybe a little bit more of an attacking style on our defensive line. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe go into a one gap system like we talked about all freaking summer, Michael. Yeah, right. Um, and I mean, you know, we've been wanting this for years, and they've kind of hinted at it for years, and they've never done it. So mm-hmm. I'm not holding out hope. Really, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but. I don't know, like, because if you do that, you could probably get away with playing a guy like Neville Gallimore at the one technique right there instead, yeah. you know, because you don't need just like a space eater. You need athletes up there to make plays. Yeah, and then that way you can get a guy like Gallimore and Bledsoe, you know, on the field at the same time instead mm-hmm. of them just just playing the same position and rotating. Um, I don't expect any of this to happen because <laughs> uh, we still have the same defensive coordinators. We so, sure do. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, but let's get to some good news before we get yeah. back to some bad, some bads. Because I have like some very like specific complaints I need to get off my chest. Um, but recruiting is going well for the University of Oklahoma. It right is. Now. It really is. The eyeballs are making almost daily appearances, yeah. Yeah. and the eyeballs are turning into people. They are. Yeah. They are turning into people. Um, and you know, we got two commits. We talked about Nick Benito on our last podcast. He was a guy that committed during our last podcast. Um, and that was, I mean, that's a big time gift for us guy out of Florida from one of the best programs in the country, St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Awesome gift on paper. 
He's going to play the Sam linebacker position for us. Yay, linebacker. Yeah. Um, the biggest get we've gotten this whole season came on Saturday at the mm-hmm. U.S. Army All-American game where five star, count them, count the stars out, five of them, Buki Radley Hiles. Yeah. Name Brendan goes by Buki. Yeah, not Buki, which I think is a little cooler, but Buki's all right too. Yeah. I don't think Buki's bad. No. Um, Buki Radley Hiles commit, you know, commits to OU. He's going to be an early enrollee. He's going to be on campus next week, so that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and dude, this guy can play. Absolutely. Like he made multiple plays in the limited snaps. Um, in the Army All-American game that I don't think a corner on our current roster can make. Yeah, no. He was doing things that you really couldn't reasonably expect a corner since Aaron Colvin to be able to do. Yeah. Like, just his, like... Like, you talk about um, wide receivers having a catch radius. Mm -hmm. Like, his denial radius is... It just seems enormous. And, like, something you talked about um, when we were watching the All-American game, the... Army All-American game was uh, when uh, he just turns his head so easily, so yeah. naturally, and he yeah. doesn't lose any speed doing it. <laughs> you know, there were several situations, well, several, there were a couple, he didn't, I mean, he was rotating throughout the game, so yeah. he wasn't out there the whole game, but the very first play of the, first pass play of the game, mm-hmm. one of the, the number one quarterback in the country threw right at him on a deep ball, the kind of pass that has just killed our DBs absolutely for the last three years like it's just been we have had no answers for the go ball Mm -hmm. and dude just turned around and in one motion turn jumped deflected the ball to a safety that was in the area Mm -hmm. and he came away with the interception like I don't remember the last time one of our corners made a play like that yeah Um, and later in the game like it looked like he was beat a little bit but he had the closing speed to catch up to the pass and yeah. just knock it away, no problem. Yeah. You know? And this is a guy, he's not terribly big. He's probably, like, a shade under 5'10", maybe maybe 5'10", but just insane instincts as a corner is yeah. what I would say. Just yeah. he makes plays everywhere yeah. and to the point where you just don't even really think about his size. Yeah, no. And all, the other thing about his size is that, like, he, what he lacks in height, he's, like, he is developed. Like, he does not look small. Um, no, not at all. No, he. I mean, he is thick, is what I would say about yeah. him. Like, yeah, for a corner, very thick. Yeah, and he's the kind of guy, like, I think you could put him anywhere in the secondary and he yeah. would flourish as a player just because of his instincts. Yeah. Like, he's just always around the ball. And he played at IMG Academy, and we've talked plenty about IMG mm-hmm. and that what that means in terms of the level of competition he saw in practice and in games. Yeah. Like, he's going to be a battle-tested corner the day he gets to Oklahoma. Yeah. And honestly, if I were predict, I think the guy's going to start next year. Here's a bold prediction. Buki's going to start at nickel. Start at nickel. Interesting. Yeah, I thought so, too. Okay. I think that that would be a really good spot for him. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he could be like a Tyron Matthew-type nickel. Um, I think we're going to need him at corner Uh, more, Mm. more so. Like, if we had the corners that, like, I was super confident in, like if, you know, Trey Brown or Trey Norwood really stepped up, I think Nickel would be a great spot for Buki, but I think he's going to be our best corner, we're going to want him out there, Yeah, Um, that's just my guess, but yeah, no, I think that would be a a perfect spot for him to play, like it, because 
his size wouldn't come into question as exactly. much because he's guarding those the smaller receivers mm-hmm. and he's just closer to the ball in that way. So yeah. he could come up a little bit more and run support. Because yeah, it's easy to avoid a corner if you know if you don't want to throw at a guy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously value in having a guy that people avoid, but um, if he wants to make plays, nickel's a great spot for that. Um, but the day wasn't over on Saturday. No. Um, our linebacker recruiting has been a kind of place of question this season. <laughs> really? For, yeah, and we all know why this is the case. Yeah. Um, and we had made some strange decisions in terms of linebacker recruiting. We kind of just stopped pursuing some guys that we seemingly were in a good spot for. Mm-hmm. And we probably could have been done at linebacker already. And the reason why we made those decisions, because we had one guy that we just really, really wanted, and it was Deshaun White. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy, he's from Texas, you know, and we've talked about him on the pod before when he committed to A&M, how we were really annoyed that he <laughs> yeah. did that. But um, we finally got him to flip, thanks to Kevin someone getting yep. fired like everybody knew he would. Um, and, you know, he came on the same day, on Saturday. And, like, this guy is a, I think he's just a really good fit in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a... He's not super big. He's probably six foot two twenty right now, so he could probably bulk up to two thirty, two thirty five. Yeah, you know, no problem. But you know, he's just a really athletic linebacker. Is what I would say. He's not a guy that's gonna be physically dominant, but he's gonna be able to run you down from sideline to sideline. He's gonna be able to operate in space, which sounds like all the things you need to do well in this conference. Yeah. Um, and like like I said, it was he was probably the biggest need that we had left because like mm-hmm. we had one or two linebacker commits and neither of them were kind of in, well, I guess one of them was in his mold, but you know, if, if there is a middle linebacker in this class, it's him. Yeah. Like he is the guy closest to being able to play the middle linebacker spot. He'd be undersized there, but you know, maybe he could make it work. We've played undersized middle linebackers for years now. So yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, so that leads me to this complaint that I was talking yeah, about. Here we go. Uh, it's just a general Mike Stoops thing. Because like, everybody's getting excited because we are getting, we're starting to get the athletes that we need on mm-hmm. defense, right? And, you know, getting a five-star defensive back for the first time in the Rivals era and, you know, getting a linebacker that really fits the conference. And my, my thing about that is, I remember having similar thoughts about different people. You know, I remember like I remember having thoughts like that about um, Kenneth Murray and about Stephen Parker, mm-hmm. or not necessarily Kenneth Murray, but even like a guy like Levi Draper or something. Yeah, I was I had those kind of thoughts about it, and we haven't gotten a lot of results from those situations. Yeah, no, um, um, Levi Draper, it's understandable, but right, 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 right. right. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just like we've been saying the same thing for years, I feel like. we No, you, you're right. Like, we... Recruiting is better now, but mm-hmm. it's been getting better. Yeah. And it, the results on the field really haven't shown that at all. No. It's been... I would say the last four years, our defensive recruiting has been improving. And it's still not giving us any... We're really not having anything to show for it. Yeah. Uh, we've got linebackers just completely out of position and... Just the de- defenses that just refuse to make plays. Yeah, uh, and like my my complaint here is, is that no, I think back to, 
remember Charles Tapper and Gino Grissom and Jordan Phillips and guys like that, Charles yeah. Walker. Like those guys were studs. Absolutely. Like those guys are all with the exception of Charles Walker and there's other circumstances holding mm-hmm. him back. Um, all of those guys are making plays in the NFL, doing really well. Yeah. And I think about the scheme that Mike Stoops had them playing in. Mm-hmm. It was this two-gap scheme that basically they were just holding blocks while our linebackers were supposed to make the plays. Mm-hmm. And that's just so backwards from what, if you just evaluate the talent on the field. Yeah, yeah. It's like those guys are the are the playmakers. Mm-hmm. Like Those guys in the Big 12, they ought to just eat offensive linemen alive. Mm-hmm. Like That should never be an issue. We should have never had an issue getting pass rush with Charles Tapper and Geno Grissom on each end of our lines. Like yeah. that's crazy to me. Especially with Jordan Phillips pushing up the middle. Yeah. You know, and then in addition we had Eric Stryker with yeah, those no, guys. Got, that's like that's an incredible pass rush. It it's, should be. Yeah. Like, absolutely. And I mean, the twenty fifteen defense was pretty good. Yeah, no, it was okay. It was it was a decent defense. I think they were like twenty second in S and P plus. Like, yeah, they'll get to they get that would have gotten the job done this year. Absolutely. Um, but just putting guys like Jordan Phillips, especially like that dude, is just monstrous, and he's as big and as athletic as any defensive lineman you're ever gonna see. Yeah. And the idea that we just wasted him as just a space eater in mm-hmm. our defense. Yeah. It just tells me, like, I was thinking about that day, just, I don't think Mike Stoops, even with the improved athletes that we're getting now, I don't think it's going to change anything. Uh, Yeah. Like, I think we're getting good talent on the defensive line, but, you know, we've had some pretty good talent, and it has improved, and things just aren't getting better. Yeah. That's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to get these guys, but I'm also not excited to see... I'm not excited about the prospect of them being kind of under underutilized at OU. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just frustrating to, because we went on and on and on about how every single corner who comes in this program seems to leave worse than they were when they got here. Right. Um, not excited to potentially watch that happen to Buki Radley Hiles, but yeah, and like Buki is a he might you know corner might be a spot where like. It's hard to underutilize a guy at corner because they're yeah. he's gonna have to cover people, you know. And if he doesn't get worse, like he's working from a really high point right yeah. now. Like he's already technically very sound. He's already got incredible instincts. He's gonna be able to play really well from the beginning. Uh, so it's not even necessarily guys like Buki that I'm concerned about. I'm more concerned that we're gonna have a guy like Ronnie Perkins come in and he's just never gonna do anything because yeah. he's doing what. You know, he's just eating blocks for, like, average linebackers or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's my biggest concern um, with everything. Uh, it's just another thing I just think we need to move on from Mike Stoops. Yeah, and, uh, obviously no disagreement there. Yeah. I, I was thinking today, too, is that I think our biggest problem with Mike Stoops is the, the two-gap thing, right? Mm. How would you feel about Mike Stoops if he were to switch to the one-gap? Because that's what he did his first stint at Oklahoma. He I mean, was a one-gap guy. I think that would be a right decision. A right decision. Do you think it would be like enough to be... Do you think we would see considerably better results from that? Or would there still be guys getting I mean, out of position? It's hard to say mm-hmm. because... Um, like, we... It's not just that 
like it's well it's like we said um last week it's like it's not even that like our linebackers aren't talented enough mm-hmm. you know it's that they didn't seem to understand the purpose of they didn't seem to understand the scheme they were playing in right like so so i mean it might just be more of an indictment of his ability to teach than anything and if he's yeah. teaching a different scheme he might not do better yeah that. i think that's possible i do think that a one gap scheme is a better idea right. but and i think it fits our personnel much better yeah we spent multiple podcasts talking about that. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Wow. Um, <laughs> dang it, this game. Yeah. So, is that all we need to talk about with OU football? And get, we do want to get on to our, our topic. Our surprise topic that we chose to talk about instead of this game. Yeah. All right. So, we're going to talk about a different game we hate. <laughs> yes. A fantasy game. Yes. Called Quidditch. Yeah, we oh, would. My goodness. And like, guys, this podcast is basically just going to be us going over a conversation we've had like a hundred times. Yeah. We talk about this like once a week. Yeah. Like, Less seriously. often now that Harry Potter marathons aren't a thing anymore. Yeah. But um, this is still just a lot of brain space has been eaten up by the question of why Quidditch is the way it is. Yeah. And I mean, to start with that, I mean, I think the easy answer is like you've said, you've told me a hundred times, JK Rowling just did it kind of as a joke to like make yeah. men mad. She got in a fight with her boyfriend, I think. Okay. And, um, after that she was like, you know what would make men mad? The snitch. <laughs> the golden snitch. Yeah. Um, and she was right. Cause here's two men mad about it. Yeah, we're um, we're we're upset. We've been upset for a long yeah. time. And you know what? That's fine because J.K. Rowling thinks that Johnny Depp is a good casting decision. So she's allowed to be wrong about things. Um, she's right about most things, but yeah, she can. Yeah, be wrong. she's wrong about this one. Yeah, um, and she's also wrong about Quidditch. Yes, and we're just gonna talk about that for a bit. Okay. Do we want to briefly go over the rules of Quidditch? I think most people kind of know them. Yeah, yeah, you know? but let's. Let's be let's be quick. So obviously Quidditch, seven on seven game, lit on broomsticks. Yes. Um, there's four positions. Uh huh. You have three chasers. You have two beaters. You have a keeper and you have a seeker. Mm-hmm. There are four balls. One's called the quaffle. It's big and red. That's the ball you score with. Yeah. There are two enchanted balls called bludgeons, bludgers, bludgers, bludgers. Um, and the bludgers are oop. That's that's never happened before. Alabama just missed a field goal. What, um, what is this you're talking about? Bludgers is what I'm talking about. Okay, um, yeah. So these are balls that are enchanted to seek out players in order to hit them very hard. They're little dicks, basically. Yeah. They're, yeah. And then the fourth ball is the golden snitch, which is a very tiny ball that flies uh, with wings. Yeah. Um, and... Just, and it makes no sense. Yeah, and just does its best to not be caught by the seeker, whose job it is to find and catch the snitch. And when the snitch is caught, the team that caught it receives 150 points, and the game ends. Yep. Um, so this has an interesting effect on the strategy of the game, which is that nothing matters except for catching the snitch. Yeah, basically. Yeah. For sure. So the the only instance in which the team that does not catch the snitch wins is if they manage to accrue a 160-point lead. 
Yeah, that's 16 goals because you get 10 points per. Yeah. So, if they can score 16 unanswered goals, yeah. and then the other team is dumb enough to catch the snitch while that had, before they score again, then the team that did not catch the snitch will win. Right. But that's the only possible way. Well, actually, way. theoretically, the game could end with both, because the only way, for, the only, there are two ways for the game to end. One is if the snitch is caught, and the other is if the captains mutually agree to it. So I guess if one team is winning and the both captains decide they've had enough of this stupid game, mm-hmm. then in that case, a team that did not cut, catch the snitch could win. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, so where are we going now? You have a list of you're the one with the notes. Okay. Um, so what s- sort of in order to explain the problem with Quidditch, um, which is essentially the snitch, but there are other issues as well. Um, let's talk about the field actually, because that's okay. important. Yeah. So the field, it's a big oval, mm-hmm. um, and there are two scoring areas. They're called. Yeah, um, which you could think of those as like the box. Yeah, like in a pen- like a penalty box in soccer. Um, and inside those are these three hoops that are on tall poles that are pretty far apart. Yeah, and these are large hoops. Yeah, I don't know what their dimensions are in the books, but in the films, they're like a man could pass through them. Yeah. Like, large circular hoops. Mm -hmm. There are three of them spaced pretty far apart, and those are what you score in. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So the thing about that is that it kind of sounds like being the keeper, whose job it is to stop players from scoring, and is also the only player by the rules allowed to block a shot. Right. It sounds like his job is impossible. Yeah. And I think another rule is that there is only one chaser allowed in the scoring area yeah. at a time. Yeah. So basically, the scoring is you just have a ton of one-on-ones. Yeah. And it'd be like if you're defending a fast break, but you have to defend three goals at the same time. Yeah. Um, because there's just like, they could throw it. They could say, oh, they could fly towards one hoop, and so you go there, and then they could throw it into another yeah. one. Yeah. It's, um, being a keeper sounds impossible, Mm-hmm. We know that keepers make saves because it happens in the books and the films. Yeah. But it never really makes any sense for them to be able to. Like, any save by the keeper feels like it is probably caused by an error on the part of the chaser. Yeah. It's kind of like when you save a penalty in soccer. Yeah. You know, because if you hit a penalty right, there's really nothing a keeper, a goalkeeper should be able to do. Yeah. And this is basically the same situation. Except for instead of like it being a special scenario that you have a penalty, it's the only way that they score. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it'd be like if soccer was only a penalty shootout and they were chasing another thing that was the real game. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, theoretically, in order to stop a team from scoring, you would either have to save the shot, right. which we've already discussed sounds impossible, mm-hmm. win possession prior to them reaching the scoring area. Yeah, which, how does, like, there are no, like, defenders set up in front of the keeper, any no. organized defense. It's no. just the chasers have to, like, yeah. chase them, yeah. right? Theoretically, the quote-unquote defenders on a team 
are the beaters. The beaters, yeah. Right, and so the beaters have little baseball bats that they can hit the bludgers with right. at other players. Yeah, and my thing is, there are only two bludgers, right? Yeah, and both teams have two beaters. Yeah, it also just seems like hitting a bludger at a player accurately would be really hard to do. It seems very hard. Though I, the bludgers kind of want to hit players, so maybe that helps. Maybe that's, yeah, that could help. But at the same time, like, that's... you. So, another, and this is a weird thing that doesn't make much sense, contact is allowed. Like... A chaser is allowed to forcibly pull the quaffle away from an opposing chaser. Mm-hmm. But there are rules against excessive use of elbows. Yeah. As well as rules against intentional collision. Yeah. So my question is, how do you do that? I have no idea. Like, my only thing... I, Like, the only way I feel like a chaser would be able to stop them from scoring is if they're like... They go up and, like, nick the ball off of them. But if they're carrying it in, like, an intelligent way, that should be impossible. Yeah. It feels like... It really feels like your only chance is to intercept a pass right. or something. Which, why would you pass as a chaser? Yeah. Why would... There's um, there's very little reason to, if you are attacking, pass. Right. Right? Because you can't... Only one chaser is allowed inside the scoring area. So it's not like you could pass to an open goal. Mm-mm. Um why you would not just immediately fly forward right. because you can't be collided with. Yeah, no, you're literally your only goal there would be like all right, avoid bludgers. Yeah. That's avoid it. Avoid bludgers. I mean, I, I I guess like you also like maybe it's a situation where like opposing chasers can like be stationed in your path, uh-huh. but it's a game played on flying broomsticks in the air. Yeah. You have three dimensions that you could go around them with. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's not like when you're just running around, like you go above or under them. Yeah. You know? So it's, yeah, it seems impossible to defend. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, because just imagine how impossible it would be to play defense in basketball if your opponent didn't have to dribble. Right. Yeah. Um, so do we want to talk about... Instances in the movies and books that like annoy us the most. Yeah. About how this game was, how it went about being played. Absolutely. Um, so, I think. Where do you want to start with? This? I want to start because this has been the subject of of multiple Twitter yeah. rants. Both of these have, but I want to start with the fact that Ron Weasley became like a superhero after right. having one good game as a keeper. Right. So in book five and movie six, um, because the Quidditch subplot in book five was cut from the movie entirely. Really? Yeah. Well, hold on. He doesn't become the keeper in six in book six. See, I'm going off of what I read on Wikipedia a few minutes ago. I feel like he did. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Well, but at the same time, I don't remember. Dang it. Yeah. So basically, there's a whole thing. Um, about the fact that Oliver Wood, the Gryffindor keeper, yeah. graduates. He was the captain. He was the captain of He's Gryffindor. He's the man who taught Harry Potter how to play Quidditch. Yeah. And we don't give him enough credit for he that. He doesn't get enough credit. Also, his name is Oliver Wood. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And he thought it was very funny. <laughs> um, so he graduates, and Gryffindor needs a new keeper. Yeah. Um, Harry is captain now. Yep. 
Um, which I really do think that I, I am really interested in, in what the deal is specifically with this storyline then if it took place partially in book five. Because it wouldn't make much sense for Harry to be the captain while Fred and George are still on the team. I think it was book six, man. Okay. I think it's all book six. I can't be 100% sure because um, whenever we're getting super ner- I mean, we're already being yeah. nerdy about this. But okay, you know how he has like the luck stuff that he fakes? Yeah, that, that happens comes in, in book six, six. That does happen. From Slughorn. So, hang on. Maybe he becomes the keeper in book five, but then Cormac McLaggen tries out for keeper in book six because everybody could be, tries out. That could be possible. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, okay, we're way into the weeds. But so, um, Ron is the keeper, and he's not very good at it. Nope. He's a, he's a mediocre keeper. Yeah. Um, and it's a problem. Yeah. And in the books, there's a lot of taunting that goes. The, right. The Slytherins, they, yeah. uh, they start this sarcastic chant that Weasley is our king. Basically, yeah. Yeah. And so, because everyone assumes that because he, he sucks at Keeper, the, that Gryffindor has no shot. They have no shot because the least important position ever yeah. is not very yeah. good. Like, we've team. already established that Keeper is, n- like... First off, every position in Quidditch besides the Seeker is not very important. Mm-hmm. But and Keeper is the The least job of Keeper is almost impossible already. Yeah, so it literally doesn't matter who it is. Um, and, like, one thing I want to mention, just if you're going from the movies, Cormac McLaggen looks so much more comfortable on a broomstick. Absolutely. Like, the idea that he doesn't get it because out of... Like, we're talking small sample size theater here. They have a five saves they have to make. Mm-hmm. Like... Are we really going to base your entire season on who your keeper is over yeah. five saves? Harry, Harry come yeah. on now. That Very bad not... job by Harry. Um, yeah. Also, for that matter, Cormac McLaggen is like, Hermione super cheats, right? Yeah, absolutely. She, she casts like a jinx on him yeah, makes... so that he's not good. Right. Yeah, he like misses one save. So he gets like four out of five. Ron like stumbles his way into all five saves. Yeah. Which so is hilarious and dumb. Also, the scene in the movies of them making the saves, they're only able to make the saves because the chasers are deliberately only throwing the quaffle at the hoop that they're stationed directly in front of. Yeah. No, it's it's ridiculously stupid. To like, There are three of those hoops. Yeah. You can choose any one of them, and they only throw at the one... Mm-hmm. That they're in front of. And so, of course, Ron, who can't fly on a freaking broom because he's so nervous and just bad, he's able to stop them because he doesn't have to do any flying. Mm -hmm. But whatever. Yeah. Later Um, on, and this is where the the luck potion stuff comes in, spoilers, I guess, for the Half-Blood Prince, um, (laughs) which, hey, Snape kills Dumbledore in that one is a thing that happens. Um, is that... And he's the Half-Blood Prince. Yes, Snape is also the Half-Blood Prince. Um, Harry pretends to give Ron a potion called Liquid Luck. Yeah. Um, and... It was actually, it was called something else. It was called Felix Felicis or something. I don't know how it's pronounced. Whatever. Um, yeah, but Liquid Luck, um, which is, uh, severely outlawed, because essentially, like, it's a potion that makes you lucky. Yeah. Um, so its use in sporting events is strictly prohibited. So Harry doesn't actually give it to him. He just pretends to, just give, pretends it to, him. to give it to him. And that gives Ron enough confidence to, to have be, a great game. To have a great game as keeper. 
Um, yeah. And we cut, in the movies, cut to party scene where Ron is being lifted on people's shoulders as the hero of the match. Yeah. And so, so I don't know if, like, the team they were playing, the only thing that would make sense is if the team they were playing had the greatest attack ever and yeah. they routinely beat teams yeah. while not getting the snitch. Here's the thing. And this this is the other thing that doesn't make any sense to me. Jenny Weasley is also on the Gryffindor team. Yeah. Jenny Weasley will go on to play professional Quidditch. Yeah. She's really good. She's really good. She's probably a better seeker than Harry. It We, we can talk about how Harry doesn't make any sense, how he's actually good at seeker. Um, but, like, Jenny is established as being an extremely good Quidditch player mm-hmm. um, who is capable of playing at the professional level. This is an intramural school league. Basically, yeah. Like... Yeah, and then you've got her and Harry, who's the best seeker in the school, basically. Yeah. And Ron is, Ron is the, the hero. hero. Yeah. It makes absolutely no sense that any team would have any chance to beat Gryffindor. Like, because you think about, like, high school highlights of, like, mm-hmm. NFL players. Mm-hmm. Or, like, basketball players. Yeah. Like, LeBron James in high school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nobody was giving props to his center. No. Like... No, no, it was, uh, yeah, that's, that's the equivalent is yeah. what we'll say here. Um, so that really, that's been a, a huge bother for us, um, over the years as ridiculous as that, yeah. as that is. Um, so our biggest complaint is the massive failure <laughs> by the manager of the Bulgarian yeah, national the team. Bulgarian national team. I want to figure out, I think this happened in 1990. Two. Okay, 1992 Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. Ireland versus Bulgaria. Um, and I'm sure most of you know the result, but um, Ireland wins the World Cup, right? Yeah. But Bulgaria catches the Golden Snitch. Yeah. It was 1994. 1994. Yeah. The 1994 World Cup, Bulgaria, yeah. Ireland. Ireland wins the Cup. Bulgaria catches the golden snitch. Victor Krum, the best seeker in the world, um, catches the golden snitch. Yeah. His team loses. Yeah, his team loses. Um, Ireland obviously was was known for their attack. Well, they must have been. Um, you know, because that obviously they were up by more than. What was the final score of this game? Do you have that um, readily available? Because they were obviously up more than 150 points when Victor Krum. Uh, Displays low Quidditch IQ is what I would say. Yeah. And goes ahead and catches the snitch even though the team loses. Um, I would venture to say Victor Krem had like yeah. money on this game okay. or something. Here's the thing. Ireland defeats Bulgaria in this game 170 to 160. The Bulgarian attack scored 10 points and gave up 170. Yeah. Well, they talked about how Ireland was better across the board, but Bulgaria had the better seeker. Yeah, um, which is what which was why they were there and why they had a chance. Also, um, apparently in the same World Cup, Transylvania beat England three hundred ninety to ten. Wow. Yeah, it's not very good. No, that's not great, um, England. That's, that's a little Euro twenty sixteen. Yeah, there. <laughs> absolutely is. Um, okay, yeah, and so this is just, I mean, you can blame Victor Crumb, and I get it, but if you look at it from Victor Crumb's standpoint, he's like, this is a massive blowout. Yeah. It's probably not going to get better. Mm-hmm. We look worse in every facet. 
I'm just going to catch this and end this thing so it'll be a respectable score. Yeah. So we don't lose 390 to 10. You know, not great. But the bigger problem is there's a managerial failure. Absolutely. Here. So what was the Bulgarian manager doing yeah. that caused his team to give up 170 points in a sport with no shot clock, uh-huh. right? There is no... Um, there's no, there's nothing that says you have to try and score right. or do anything to put the quaffle in any danger of being turned over. Right. Um, and yet they managed to turn, I guess, turn the quaffle over to Ireland. 17 times. 17 times. Yeah. And all while, you know, Victor Crumb, the best seeker in the world by, and it seems by like yeah. a pretty significant margin. Yeah. You know, so obviously the game plan there, just keep the damn ball. Yeah. You know, like get it and just like hold it for a couple minutes. And if you don't do anything, fine. If they find a way to get it off of you um, outside of those couple minutes, you at least gave your keeper or your seeker a couple minutes to look for this, the golden snitch. Yeah. Um, and apparently they were just like, no, we're going to play the beautiful game. And they were just really bad at it. Yeah. So, um... Let's talk about this is this is the crux of the podcast now. We're gonna right the wrong of the Bulgarian national we team are. in time for the nineteen ninety eight World Cup. Okay. Um which I guess would have happened like just after the series ended. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah. Um Victor Crumb gets to lace him back up. He's now by the way, Victor Crumb is school aged. Yeah, no, he's, he's like a freaking prodigy. Yeah. He is a freaking... He's like one of those, like, soccer players that is, like, 17 years yeah. old, but he's the best player in the world. Yeah. Um, so, we have been hired as Bulgarian national team managers. Which, obviously, they had a managerial change, because you can't fail like that. No, absolutely keep your not. job. Yeah. So, we're the manager of this team now, and we have to put together a squad that will win the World Cup. Yeah. We got Victor Krum. There's no excuse. How do we do this? Yeah, so... I think you've got to build a possession-based team. Yeah. Right? Um, so we're going to start with our chasers. What are we looking for in our chasers? All right. So there's a few different ways we can do this. Yeah. Right? Um, if we're trying to keep possession, I think in a sport as physical as Quidditch, it makes sense to have at least one chaser who's just, like, immovable. Right? Right. Just, like, a big old guy. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to compare him to soccer, let's say like an Emmanuel Matic. Yeah, just somebody who you really just can't win the ball you off of. You can't get the ball off of them. And yep. they don't need any attacking prowess whatsoever None. because we're not going to attempt to score the quaffle. Right. And I, I think you could even go with, because there's three of them, right? Three chasers. Absolutely. So you could either go that way and just have all of the guys be just... They're physical. You can't really take the quaffle off of them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not particularly good at anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could go with just, like, crazy quick people that are incredibly agile on the broom. Yeah. Um, they have really good lateral motion, yeah. I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, because one of the things about this that's difficult to quantify is the question of, like, what happens to a human when they're hit with a bludger? Uh-huh. Like, because there is the possibility that that is just, like, not feasible, like, it is just not possible to retain senses. 
uh-huh. when a bludger hits you. Right. So in that case, you'd want players who can like avoid bludgers. Yeah. So if that if the big dude gets taken out, so I think you need one dude that can't be moved. It can, you can just take it to the corner flag at the end of the game. Yeah. And, but the thing about it too that we're you have to consider. That person, you could commit your beaters to keeping that person safe from bludgers. Absolutely. Because that's their job. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so, I mean, maybe if that's the case, you just want all of your guys to be physical guys, even if they can't fly. Mm-hmm. Or girls. Because this is a, a co-ed sport. It is a co-ed sport. Mm-hmm. Um, physical human being that can't be affected by just, like, chasers coming up and trying to nick the ball off of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would at least want one uh, that can just like, because there's no, I mean, the other team could have super physical players as well. And so you might want one that's just like super quick and yeah. agile and yeah. can do pretty much anything you would want with the quaffle just mm-hmm. to get out of, out of tight situations. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's, those are the chasers, right? Right. Their jobs is going to be to retain possession of the quaffle. Yeah. Because... As far as I have looked at the rules of Quidditch, and as far as I can tell, there's no rule that suggests that you have to attempt to score. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going four corners offense here. Yeah. And by four corners, I mean, that brings us to the keeper. Yeah. And by that, I mean, we will not have a keeper. There's no reason to have no a keeper. No keeper. Because we have t- discussed how the keeper's job is impossible. Yeah. Any Absolutely. competent offense... Um, and if we're playing in a World Cup final, there is at least one competent chaser on the team we're playing. Yeah. We'll score in every one-on-one situation. Mm-hmm. So we're just not going to play keeper. The, right. the keeper is going to be effectively a fourth chaser, which will give us more options in possession, as well as more options moving forward in attack. Yeah. And like even if it's like the furthest back chaser, the one that yeah. kind of is a little bit more conservative... Yeah. So what we're saying is that instead of a goalkeeper, we're we're essentially we're gonna play like a center back. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't just don't see the need for it. Ron Weasley is is like we said useless. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this could also be a guy that just sits back and you just like, you know, when you kick it back to the goalkeeper when you're in trouble, you just throw it back to them if you're in trouble or something. Yeah. You know, and you know it's just like a, a safety valve, if you will. Yeah. And like you know, it's this won't always go right. Go right. Which is fine, because it only needs to not... All you have to do is not make 15 mistakes that lead to goals in a row. Yeah. And, like, yeah, the other team's going to score in this situation. Yeah. But we're thinking, come on, we've got Victor Crumb. This this team, we can make them, like, only give them, like, eight scoring opportunities. Yeah. You know, or ten, even ten, you know. And by that point, if you've stalled enough on offense... That's plenty of time for the greatest seeker in the world to yeah. catch the snitch. Yeah. Um, and so that brings us to beaters, I think. This is the last mm-hmm. position that we talked about. So beaters, obviously, useful in protection mm-hmm. um, for when you're trying to possess. Just have just have them beat away the bludgers as they attempt to hit yeah. the, uh, you know, the person with the quaffle. That'd work. Yeah. What the, the other thing you can do is just when they hit these bludgers... Hit him at the opposing seeker. Yeah. Because you can do that. You can hit bludgers at any player on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, don't waste your time hitting chasers. Like, it just yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. If the chasers don't have the ball, there's really not a lot they can do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I would say is depending on, like, if you can just straight up knock dudes out of the game pretty easily with a bludger, yeah. it would be a lot easier to execute your strategy if you're able to knock out their chasers. Yeah. So here's the thing about Quidditch that is maddening and bizarre. Mm-hmm. There, under normal circumstances, there are no substitutions allowed. Right. Not for tiredness, not for injury, not for tactical purposes. Yeah. You get seven players, and it does not matter what happens to them. Right. Um, now, we do have... there. This is conflicting, because there's also discussion of um, the... Uh, there's like discussion of like a multi-day match. Yeah. Um, because by the way, the record for a length of Quidditch of a Quidditch match is three months, <laughs> which is absurd. Yeah. Um, but in the event of like a multi-day match, um, there are discussions of substitutions happening, mm-hmm. and I, I, my guess is this isn't really discussed in any rules or anything, but this sounds like the sort of thing that like the referee and the team captains could agree to allowing. Yeah. There's a little bit of wiggle room there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but under normal circumstances, if you knock someone out of the game... Too bad. That's too bad. They're playing down a man. And if you knock their seeker out of the game, they really have no means to end the game. Yeah. You take that into your hands. So, because one of the penalties of the game is that if a player other than the seeker touches the snitch, their team forfeits. Yeah. So, it's just like... And there are no backups, so... And they can't just be like, well, he's our seeker now. Yeah. You know, it's just... They're done. You know, so... The entire strategy should just be hurt the other seeker from your yeah. leaders. Like yeah. that's the main strategy, and unless like if I think if you had like a huge advantage at seeker and you weren't really worried about their seeker, then you could kind of play them as protectors more. Yeah, because then you can execute your strategy yeah. and just assume that like your keep your seeker is gonna win that battle. Yeah, if it's like a relatively close matchup a seeker, yeah, you want to do everything you can to disrupt them, mm-hmm. and it's not cheating because their beaters are gonna do the same thing. Yeah, you know, and I just yeah. So something you guys might have noticed is that the sport we're describing sounds impossible to watch. Right, it sounds absolutely dreadful. It does. And that that's because it is the dumbest sport ever. Yeah, it's it is a bad game, and it's not good for the eyes. No, um, yeah. Do we want to devise? I know we were, didn't talk about this, mm-hmm. but what would you devise if you did not have? If you were in a game against Victor Crumb, how would you approach that game? You have to hurt him. That's your whole game. Plan. Yeah, yeah. Don't just absolutely. And the other thing is that like. So penalties, it's complicated. We know that there's not like a card system at all. Mm-hmm. Um, penalties result in essentially just like a penalty shootout. Yeah. Um, which, if you can break Victor Crumb's arm, that's a fair trade. Ten points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't really see a reason to not just attempt to cause bodily harm to Victor Crumb. Yeah. No, I... I think that's probably the, the right way. Um, just from an attacking standpoint, I mean, if you're not playing with ice, we still wouldn't go with a keeper. No, Screw there's, that. there's no reason to play. We'll just try to score. Yeah, you no, know? four chasers. Um, four and three in the midfield is not going to be winnable. No. Um, yeah, no, it might. I think we might start a revolution, a revolution of soccer where the just keeper just becomes not a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um. Let's, one last thing we can talk about. 
How do we fix Quidditch? How do we fix it? Yeah. So, I, I think you've got to take at least one of the goals away. Yeah. I, not, I don't think... Honestly, and it would be better, because if there aren't any keepers, then you don't need any more than one goal. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think one way that you could make the keeper much more useful is to just make the goals smaller uh-huh. and closer together. Yeah. Like, so I'm, think, I'm thinking, like, maybe have them set up as, like, each one is, like, um, roughly two to three times the size of, of the, the quaffle. Yeah. Um, and just have them set up in, like, a triangle. Yeah. Um, so that way it's more, you're more like a hockey goalie. Right. Yeah, and that would bring more, like, no-look shot type things. Like, yeah. you would be looking at one and throwing yeah. it in the other. I think you get rid of the rule for players in the scoring area. Okay. Um, I, don't, I think that's that's not as fun as mm-hmm. being able to, like, run an offense. Right. Um, and... <sighs> I think another way to do it would be to um, eliminate the rule that only the keeper can stop shots. Yeah, because it should be like if you have a person that like can deflect it, you should easily be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And like maybe even that way you could have like a defender type person in front of the keeper. Yeah. That kind of like their whole job is to just slow down the attack before it gets to the yeah. keeper. Um so we got to do something about the snitch, right? Yeah. Removing it is the simplest option, but I feel like so, we one thing we haven't talked about at all in this podcast is Muggle Quidditch. Muggle Quidditch, which is yeah. the Quidditch that actual people play. Right. Um, and it has a snitch, and it's a disaster. Uh huh. Um, and but essentially, that's, that's just someone running around. That's right? just a person in a yellow shirt with a tennis ball tucked into their shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and essentially, um, like that community has come to a decision that, like, yeah, the snitch is bad for the sport. But if we take away the snitch, it's not really Quidditch anymore. Right. And yeah. that sort of calls into question why we're doing this in the first place. Uh-huh. Um, so what, how, what does it do when you catch the snitch in Quidditch? Here's my th- thoughts. You can... Catching the snitch doesn't do anything. Uh-huh. You have to deliver the snitch to... Maybe you have to score the snitch. And that gets you, like a reasonable number of bonus points Uh and ends the game. Okay. So that makes it to where it's not just because at that point, once you catch it, the other team can still stop you. Yeah. One thing I would say is just, I mean, it would make it much more real person, like muggle, Mm -hmm. but just like put a clock on it and... You get, instead of 150 points, you get, like, 50 points for catching the snitch, but it doesn't end the game, you know? Yeah. Like, I know that completely changes the whole dynamic of the sport, but instead of it being, like, the end-all to where it's, like, the only thing that's an import- that it's important, like, you just make it an important aspect of the other game going on. Yeah. Because at this point, because, like, watching the Seeker is, like, not particularly interesting because the snitch doesn't come around a lot. No. Most, Most of the time, of the it's time just the them looking around. Is- up high looking around. Which, good thing we got to this. this Harry, why is Harry Potter good at Seeker? Yeah. The Here is what a Seeker needs to be good at. Flying. Okay. He's like, good at that. Yeah, Harry sure. is a naturally good flyer because he's the protagonist of the series. The other thing that you need is eyesight. Right. Harry is an incredible Seeker 
who wears glasses, without which he is more or less blind. Right. Um, he has very bad non-corrected eyesight. His dad, who was also a star seeker, also wore glasses. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason fighter pilots have to have 20-20 vision. Yeah, no, this, this, like, they would, you need great eyesight to yeah. be the seeker. Um, it doesn't, because there's no, like, feel, it's not, like, dumb where, like, oh, he just feels where this, this, no, that's no, stupid. No, you look no, and see. He's looking, yeah. yeah. So, no, yeah, it makes no sense that Harry is a fantastic keeper like he is. Yeah. Especially in situations where, like, because imagine, okay, you, you know, there's a, a scene in the movies where, like, he's wearing goggles that are, like, fogged up. Yeah. That would just make it impossible. Yeah. Well, like, there are multiple Quidditch matches that take place in the rain. Mm-hmm. Like, as a person who wears glasses, sorry, can't. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, you're just screwed at that point. Yeah. Um, you're just out there blind. Yeah. I was... The other thing, like, this, these games take place in England. Right. Um, I was riding my bike home from work yesterday, and my glasses started fogging up from my breath. Uh-huh. Like, there's... It, it doesn't work. It would never work. Um, no. And I... Because I, I, I just remember this, and someone's going someone's gonna to call me on it because of all of our avid listeners who are going to call me on this. Yeah. Um, I know that there was a rain-repelling charm on his glasses. It's... It's fine. That's fine. Okay, it's so still like, it still doesn't make sense. He doesn't have good eyesight. He shouldn't be able to see things, especially okay. in bad weather. Well, at least that. I mean, that's a little bit better. Yeah, that's a little bit better. Um, do is this where we want to end it? Because we've been going on for now almost an hour about this. Yeah, I don't even know if people are gonna like this. <laughs> I don't really care. It's just one no, podcast that we weren't even planning just, on doing. Yeah, this is just us desperately trying to avoid talking about the game we're watching. Yeah. Um. Which, by the way, hey. It's is it scoreless? It's three nothing Georgia. Okay. Georgia's gonna win this game, and we're gonna feel terrible about ourselves. Yes. Yeah. They're also, from what I've seen, they look bad. Like yeah, no. Jake Fromm has been sacked. He has thrown a pick. Sony Michelle did a real good run. Like Sony, he'll do that. He he does that. He did yeah. that. It got them three points. Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can stop now. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Oklahoma Drill special yeah. Quidditch episode. We're going to be um, back. Join us next week when we talk about pod racing. Pod racing. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back with probably a guest, I would say, I think. Um, and we're going to talk about the whole football season. We're yeah. going to be back on our normal topics. This was like a, just like, yeah, seriously, we don't, we don't want to watch this game and yeah. talk about it. So. This is just something for us to do and for you to listen to instead of... Yeah. Paying attention to this. If sad, anything sad else, thing. I'll listen to it and it'll give me something to do for a little bit. So, <laughs> yay. All right. Um, so, thanks for, li- thanks for listening. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Oklahoma underscore drill or individually at RW Maxi and at Alex P. Party. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, the Google Play Store, or Podbean. Um, and we'll see you guys later.